today we're going to do um got it right here 1624 1 Canto chapter 6 text 24 so here we go matir mayini vadhyam navipadyeta karichit prajasarganirodhipi smritischa maranugrahat well, this is very good news. So, Matir Mayini Vadheyam. This means Matir, consciousness. Prabhupada says intelligence. It comes from the verb man, mind, to think. So, uh, thoughts, intelligence, consciousness, and so on. So, Matir Mayi, consciousness in me, Nivadha, which is fixed. Baddha is like uh, bound in English. So uh, Bandha from the, from the uh, you've heard of Bandana, like Karma Bandana. So Bandana or Baddha means bound, like fixed. And Ni, Ni Baddha, uh, indicates it's really deeply fixed. So Iyam, Iyam there, uh, Ni Baddha, Iyam, Iyam means this. This consciousness, which is fixed in me, Navi Padyeta Karichit, a very interesting verb, will never separate. Very, Prabhupada gave brilliant translation there. Uh, will never be separated. Uh, pad in Sanskrit means to go, and therefore you get the word pada, foot, because the foot goes, right? So the verb pad can mean to go, and vipad is, as in English, to go awry, to go off. Or, or to go separate. V in Sanskrit is the opposite of sam. Sam means together, like sankirtan. And uh, the opposite of sam is V. For example, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about sang yoga, which is linking together, literally linking together, sang yoga and V yoga, dislinking or separating. So vipadyeta can mean to go away or to separate. And Krishna says, this consciousness, Krishna consciousness, fixed, uh, firmly fixed, nibadha, firmly fixed in me, navipadyeta, will not go away from me, karhichit, ever. And uh, vipad also, uh, in Sanskrit, the word vipada is commonly used to mean misfortune misfortune v but you have the words very common words uh in our uh godia vaishnav music and and teaching sampad dakiyotakra talks about sampade vipade which is something like in fortune and in good fortune and misfortune so vipadyeta also has that sense of one will never go to misfortune not really if a devotee understands deeply what's happening in his or her life, then uh, it's always somehow Krishna's mercy. You know, just like the non-devotees try to find the Easter egg. So we we have to find Krishna's mercy in everything. And it's there, even though our situation is may not be what we wanted. But if we look hard enough, we will find Krishna's mercy there. So matir mai nibadheyam navipadyeta karichit. Nakarichit means not ever. So 
and then Krishna gives a very dramatic example. This is Krishna speaking. This is Krishna speaking to Narada Muni. And he says, even in the creation and withdrawing of conditioned souls, even there, I mean, that's very dramatic when the whole universe is being kind of wrapped up, like that's all, that's all for this creation, or when it's being created again. These are very powerful, dramatic events. I mean, imagine if you're a tiny, well, we are tiny souls, and you're coming out in the creation, a new creation, and then the whole universe is being, or at least our district of it, is being wound up, as Prabhupada said, those are very dramatic and uh, potentially very traumatic events. And so therefore, Krishna says, Prajasarga, uh, creation, Nirodhipi, even in the creation and dissolution or withdrawing of conditioned souls, smritischa, uh, there will be remembrance of the truth and there will be remembrance by my mercy. So to remember, it's very interesting because Krishna simply says, even in creation and dissolution or, 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 the, or the withdrawing of the living beings, there will, and there will be remembrance. So remembrance of Krishna, Remembrance of who we really are, what our relationship is to Krishna, that we're devotees of Krishna, we're servants of Krishna, what the status of matter is, what is matter, all that we will remember, uh, Krishna says, uh, by his mercy. So this is a most encouraging verse, and, and it actually helps us to put things in perspective because obviously i mean we all we all have troubles in our life but it's hard to imagine a trouble more serious than uh you know having your whole universe kind of pulled out from under you that's that's serious trouble having the whole universe <laughs> withdrawn and so it puts it in perspective probably our troubles are not that bad compared to having the whole universe uh your, your universe destroyed. So the next verse is, Etavaruptva upararama tanmahat bhutam nabolingam alingam ishwaram hangcha tasmai mahatang mahiyase shirsna vanamam vidade nukampita. Beautiful verse in Sanskrit. So, etavarupwa, literally having said this much, having said this much, uh, and no more, having said this much, upararama tanmahat bhutam nabholingam alingam ishwaram, that Lord, Ishwara, the Lord, who alingam, uh, was not visible. In other words, there was, yeah, there, there was just, there was no visible manifestation of him, a lingam, but nevolingam. He, in a sense, was visible uh, through nabas. Uh, nabas literally means space or sky. It's the most subtle material element. Uh, Prabhupada says nevolingam uh, translates as personified by sound in the sense that 
Nubus actually means sky or space, but the the um, special perceptible object in space is sound. Um, it's just like uh, it's just like in light. The special thing is 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 vision. We can see in the light, and in the air we can touch. And in the earth, this is given in Sankhya. This is your basic Sankhya, that in the earth you can smell uh, because it's just like even water, for example. I mean, you know, we can smell sometimes like the sea, but only because there's earth in it in the form of seaweed or, or fish or this or that. But pure water itself has no fragrance. So fragrance is, is the special perceptible quality of earth. Whenever there's any earth or, or minerals or elements, then they have some, generally have some aroma, some smell. And then water adds taste because it, just like you know, if your tongue or if your mouth is completely dry, you can't taste anything. You need to have some moisture in your mouth to taste. So with, with water, you get taste. And then with fire, uh, the radiant element, you get um, sight. If there's no light, you can't see. And then with air, uh, you can touch. And uh, in space, there's sound. It's just like, for example, let's say that, um, let's say, for example, you, you are, well, not you, that's kind of traumatic, but let's say you have some little machine that makes a sound like your computer or something you're playing some music but let's say the computer or your whatever you're playing music on is inside a box it's completely enclosed in a box and so uh in that box obviously it's earth or there's which just means solids i mean this is not a necessarily a pre-scientific way of dividing the elements we know that nowadays chemists and Physicists, they have sophisticated ways to speak about all the basic elements. These, this is a different way of categorizing. It's talking about solids, uh, liquids, um, radiant elements, fire, and then gaseous elements, air, and finally uh, space. So it's quite intelligent. Anyway, if you have some something that's making sound, inside a completely closed thing, uh, then you don't hear it. So you, you need that kind of space and air between you. Anyway, forget that example, it's too complicated. So here it says, Krishna is called Nabolingam. He became perceptible or visible or, uh, by space, which means sound, which probably takes a sound because sound is a special element of space. That's all I wanted to say. So that Lord who was invisible, but visible or perceptible by sound, that great being, Mahadbhutam, the great being, uh, that great being, that Lord, uh, Upararama, he stopped. He stopped speaking. That's the verb. Ishwara, Etavarutva uh, Upararama, Tanmahadbhutam, Nabolingam, Alingam, Ishwara, Mahamchata, Smai, Mahatang, Mahiyase, Shirsnava, Namang, Vidatenu, Kampitam. So when the Lord stopped speaking, and at that point, Narda could not perceive him at all because he could only perceive him by sound. So when Krishna stopped speaking to him, it just, he was just like 
in a sense, like us, you know, he, he couldn't directly perceive the Lord. So Ahangsa and I, Tasmai, unto him, Matang Mahiyase, literally, who is greater than the greatest, who is greater than the great, actually. Maha uh, uh, means great, and Mahiyase means unto the greater, one who is greater or very great. So unto the Lord, who is greater than the great, Shirshna, with my head, of anamam be the day I made obeisances. I made my bow of anamam, I, I, uh, to bow down of anamam. Shirshna of anamam be the day anukampita, because I was blessed by him. Anukampita, anukampa, like that famous Bhagavatam verse, tate anukampa, uh, that a real devotee sees all his troubles, the devotee's troubles as Krishna's mercy. Anukampa, so here anukampita, blessed like like i he i became a recipient of his mercy and i offered my obeisances with my head and as i I, asked, I bowed to him who is greater than the greatest who is the lord who i could not perceive but who i had perceived through sound bhutam actually anyway for various technical sanskrit reasons that i will not uh, trouble you with here uh Buddha means that the Lord is uh he had become perceptible to me through sound. So that's that verse. And then uh Namanyanantasya Hata Trapak Patan Guhyani Bhadrani Kritani Chasmaran. Beautiful this is very, very beautiful Sanskrit. I'm I'm, you know, I don't want to keep saying that, but I do keep saying it. Gang pariyatangs tushtamana gattaspreha kalam pratikshan vimadovi matsaraha. Beautiful, beautiful Sanskrit. So um, here, Narda uh, describes himself. Uh, one second here. So he says that Namani Anantasya, that I was free from the formalities of this world. And uh, anyway, there's one word I wanted to look up real quickly, but Sanskrit dictionary is kind of uh, misfiring here. So never mind. Anyway, um, so Narda says Namani, the names of the infinite. Anta means end. In fact, the English word end, Sanskrit anta, they're obviously related. So ananta, without an end, in other words, limitless, infinite. Because finite is like finish. You know, finite means it, it has a, an ending. And infinite means it doesn't have an ending. So that's ananta. So, uh, so wandering, patan means that Narada is, is and, and I'm sorry, reciting Patan, that would be, that's a dot under the T. So reciting the names of the infinite, free of all cares, free of fear, Prabhupada says, free from all the formalities of the world, he says in his synonyms. So he's not, he's a liberated soul and he's still very young. I mean, he's still just a boy and he's liberated. Krishna, spoke to him, he couldn't see Krishna anymore, 
but Krishna effectively liberated him. He's a liberated soul. He's enlightened. He just has to work a little harder to actually see Krishna again. So uh, reciting the names of the infinite and me, he's saying free of all cares, Guyani, Bhadrani, Kritani, Chasmaran, and remembering the Lord's actions, which are auspicious and confidential. Confidential and secret, not because Krishna wants it that way, but because people in this world are just, to use the term clueless, they are because they're, they, most people don't take God that seriously. So in a sense, Krishna's activities are confidential and secret, but we, the conditioned souls, make them so. Because if we loved Krishna, they would not be so secret. Everyone would know them. So studying those names of the Lord and remembering uh, his confidential and auspicious actions, gang pariyatangs, and wandering the earth, literally wandering around, pari means around, wandering around the earth, gang pariyatangs, tushtamana, with a satisfied mind, gattaspriha, free of desires, kalam pratikshan, waiting for the time, that's very interesting, waiting for, that's simply what it says, waiting for the time, awaiting the time, uh, and that can mean kala, can also sometimes mean like the time of passing, the time of leaving this world. So Narada's awaiting the time, the time he's going to leave this world. Kalam Pratikshan Vimado, and uh, free of pride, Mada, M-A-D, is, is, is actually mud, is like the English word mad, like to be crazy, it's actually the same, means the same thing. So Vimada means, it can also mean pride, because pride is a form of madness. To be, to be proud of something that someone else is doing, namely God, is a type of madness. So Kalam Pratiksha, awaiting the time, Vimada, free of pride and madness, Vimatsaraha, uh, and free of envy. Matsara means envy. So free of envy. So here you have this liberated soul, Narda, who's seeing God face to face. And now he's just wandering the earth. He has nowhere he needs to go. There's nowhere not to go. He's just freely wandering. It's very interesting because this wandering of, of Narada, which uh, Pariyatan, uh, is a forerunner. It's kind of a hint of what's coming next because in his next life, he's going to wander, but not just on the earth, but throughout the universe. And so Narada, you could see how he has this nature or this blessing from Krishna to wander. And so even though in this life, he doesn't, he's not yet the, as Prabhupada said, the, you know, the, uh, the spiritual spaceman, he's not wandering around the universe, but he's wandering. So he's already, he's already begun that, that type of, uh, that type of life. So that's that verse, to be there. So the next verse, which is 1627, 
very interesting. Uh, so, uh, thus, Evam, Krishna Matir Brahman, Brahman is Narada addressing Vyas, O Brahmana, thus, O Brahmana, for me, he's talking to himself, who is Krishna Mati. Krishna Mater means of one who is Krishna Mati, of one who is, whose mind was in Krishna. You may remember that um, when uh, Lord Chaitanya was wandering about, and if someone would uh, offer honor to him or say, you're God, he would say, Krishna Mati Rastu, let your mind be in Krishna. So this is Krishna Mati, which literally can be translated Krishna Consciousness. Mati, again, being consciousness or mind, or thoughts. So Narada says, thus for me, O Brahmana, who was, I was Krishna Mati. Literally, I was Krishna conscious. Nasatasya, I was not attached. I was not hanging on to anything in this world. Of course, he has no family. I'm not clinging to, I'm not hanging on to anything in this world. Amalatmanaha. I was a soul who had no mala, amala, atma. I was a soul that had no contamination. And so then when I was in that state, kala pradura kale, which means in time, time manifested. Time appeared in time, literally. Time appeared in time, kala pradura kale. And of course, kala meaning uh, death. Because in the Bhagavad Gita, when Arjun sees the universal form and says, who are you? Ko bhavan, ugra rupo, in this terrible, terrifying form. And Krishna answers, kalos me, time I am. A loka kshaya krit, destroyer of the world. So in this Sanskrit Vedic culture, kala, time, also means that which drives things to their end, at least an end of a material episode. So time appeared in time, taditso dhamani jata, uh, like, uh, sort of like, like, like a lightning flash, like, like when lightning strikes, then there, there's a sudden flash, this illumination. I, I remember one time I was in Mayapur, uh, many, many years ago, just after, just after Gaur Purnima, and I was on the roof of I think the long building as they call it they still call it that and they were having a uh, in in we were having there a lightning storm it was like uh, it's interesting because it wasn't raining but there was a lot of lightning there was a lightning storm and the lightning was so powerful there that when, when and and it was striking not too far from us it was just so it was so powerful i remember i actually sat down because it was just so powerful it was just but when the lightning would strike for a second it was it was at night and everything was completely dark and there were clouds you couldn't see anything but when the lightning struck suddenly it was like the middle of the day you could see everything i mean the green grass the blue ganges you could, it was just like the middle of the day you could see everything the lightning was that powerful i mean you could see everything for you know, for a half mile in all directions or a mile in all directions, you could just see everything. So, so lightning strikes and it, 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 it can destroy whatever it strikes, but at the same time in the act of striking, it illumines everything. And so that's sort of the example given here that lightning struck, the lightning being time, the time force struck, which ended that body, which Narada had his material body, 
But at the same time that it struck, it just illumined everything. So that's a very beautiful example that Nardi gives there. So maybe we'll do one more verse. Priyujamani mai tang sudhang bhagavatin tanum arabdha karma nirvano nyapatat panchabhotika. So this is, these are very mystical verses. Uh, so, Prayujamani Mai, as I was being awarded, or as I was, uh, as I was being awarded that pure godly body, Bhagavatin Tanum, like a godly body, Shudham, pure, Tam, as that, uh, Arabdha karma nirvano nyapata panchabhotika. So my panchabhotika, my body of five material elements, earth, water, fire, and space, that fell. That body fell. It, in other words, it died. And uh, I uh, was arabdha karma nirvano, and there was nirvana. There was a complete extinction of all my accumulated karma. Arabdha karma nirvano, shudham bhagavatim. So uh, so we'll talk about that more actually next time because this verse and the next verse are very um, important verses in the Bhagavatam. They're often quoted and misquoted and uh, to make different philosophical points. So I think to next Sunday, uh, we will really take a, a very close look at exactly what Nard is saying here about how he lost his material body and how he received a godly body. Or spiritual body. So uh, there are some questions, I think. There's one question. Uh, is there a reason verses 25 and 6 are longer than typical verses? Yes, I've explained before. They are uh, sometimes when, uh, the Bhagavatam has very poetic verses. I mean, they're all poetic, but the long verses attract its its Sometimes it's very, um, just very elevated poetry. All the Sanskrit in the Bhagavatam is, is, is very, you know, brilliantly composed, but sometimes the verses are specially poetic. And so often those verses will be longer. And of course, also they emphasize whatever they're talking about. So shall, that's the first question. Then shall the devotees return back to their level according to their previously accumulated birth? after birth. Uh, yes, that's what Krishna explains in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 6. Yes. Yeah, you just keep at it until you until you get it right. So Rupa Goswami delineates the stages of pure devotion. Yes. Yeah, that's the, that's Rupa Goswami's, explains the process of devotional service. So uh, let's see, this is in uh, Spanish. A medida que canto el mantra, siento la relación más cercana con las personas. I'll translate this first in Spanish for those who speak Spanish. Y como se habló en una conferencia donde dijo, when again, the Spanish is, Spanish spelling is a little troublesome there. Anyway. What it means is, uh, to the degree that uh, I chant the Mahamantra, I feel the, the, that relation 
I feel closer to people, closer relationship with people. And I, I, as I said in a lecture, uh, okay, the more we understand human beings, the more we uh, become detached from them. It's interesting, yeah, the more you really understand other people, I mean, just human beings in general, not devotees necessarily, the more you understand them, and actually the more compassion you have and the more detached you are. So there's a very widespread false idea that if you love someone, you're materially attached to them. Sometimes in marriage, uh, uh, marriage partners make that kind of demand that if you love me, then you'll be materially attached to me, but they're actually not the same thing. In fact, if you're materially attached, you can't feel real love. And if you do feel real love, then you won't feel material attachment, but you will feel love, spiritual love. Uh, sometimes I feel impotence because uh, I can't get them to uh, understand glories of Lord Krishna. Uh, I don't feel too bad about that. Uh, I mean, if, if I know I tried my best, if I know I did my absolute best to explain Krishna consciousness, and someone's not interested. Sure, you can always say if I had more potency, or if, and but it's also the situation, the people. I mean, there were times in India, for example, where Prabhupada could hardly get anyone to listen to him. He was a pure devotee; he just couldn't get anyone to listen to him. So, kind of have to balance a natural desire to be more Krishna conscious. We can reach more people, but not just you know become overly guilty. Uh, would accepting the laws of cause and effect affect a metaphysical principle even though one may not accept the existence of God? Uh, well, the laws of material, physical cause and effect is not metaphysical, it's physical. I suppose you could argue philosophically that, anyway, I won't go, go into Hume's critique of causality because I think it's ultimately kind of silly. So um, there's spiritual cause and effect, for example, but it's not deterministic. It's not automatic. If we surrender to Krishna, Krishna says, I will reciprocate with you. Uh, that doesn't mean that Krishna is a machine. It's like if you put some coins in a Coca-Cola machine, you know, and push a button, you get a Coca-Cola, which I'm not promoting, by the way. So that's cause and effect, but it's mechanical. So getting Krishna's mercy, is, it's, not like a, it's not a mercy machine. It's not that you just chant some mantras and say some prayers, and then the mercy machine gives you mercy. And the reason is because Krishna is in the heart, and he knows what your real intention is. If you are approaching Krishna the way you would approach just some machine that dispenses soft drinks or, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, three-year-old sandwiches, uh, then we're not really going to advance. And that's what Rupa Goswami says. If we approach Bhakti Yoga mechanically, it doesn't work. Uh, you cannot approach Krishna as if he was just like, you know, a machine where you're putting in an order and then whatever you, you know, you put in your credit card number, which in this case would be, okay, I chanted or I got up early, I went to Mangalarti or I did some service. That's like giving your credit card number and then you expect to get the mercy back. So if we approach Krishna mechanically, it doesn't really work. Uh, we have to, because devotion by definition is not mechanical. I mean, there's a sense in which the term mechanical devotion is a contradiction in terms. It's actually a contradiction in terms 
because if it's mechanical, it's not devotion. And if it's devotion, it's not mechanical. So the reason with mechanical devotion is, or the problem, the problem with mechanical de devotion is that it's, it's not devotion. I mean, see what happens when someone treats you mechanically and see how it feels to you if it feels like devotion. So, uh, let's see. Uh, is there another question? Oh, yes. Uh, thank you for reminding me. Um, a, uh, a very senior Prabhupada disciple, Hansa Duda, Prabhu passed away, just passed away. Uh, he was my first temple president, actually. When I joined the Hare Krishna movement in Berkeley, in 1969, he was the temple president and uh, and his wife, Himavati, everyone called her Himavati, but anyways, Himavati. And um, so really it was, a, as they say, a mom and pop operation. It wasn't, he was the temple president, but really they, it was together, the, you know, husband and wife, they really managed. It's just like a, a, a father and mother manage a household and uh i was uh i was very fortunate those were very good times um for me of course he was he was an older devotee i mean he was for me uh you know very very senior devotee because he joined the movement two years before me or two and a half years before me so in those days if you joined the movement if someone had joined the movement two years or two and a half years before you, they were like, I can't even imagine like what what they're experiencing. I can't even imagine their level of Krishna consciousness because the movement was only three years old when I joined. Uh, so it was three, the movement was three years old and he had joined two, year, two and a half years before me. And uh, literally I got his, in, I had been visiting the temple in Los Angeles I've been visiting the temple in Los Angeles uh, in the summer of 1969, and he had come down, I think, to see Prabhupada, who was in LA. And so I met him, and I and I told him I planned to go back to Berkeley, and 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 so he was happy that I was coming back to Berkeley. The leader of the LA temple was not happy that I planned to join in Berkeley. That was Tamal Krishna Goswami. He wanted me to join there. My family was there, and so it's just like it was just too much because I knew how my parents would react. So um, I went and I joined there. I, you know, in fact, when I asked, I, I saw the Sankirtan party on, in Berkeley and I asked if I could live in the temple and they said, you have to ask the temple president. So I, Constituta was sitting on the sidewalk, which everybody did in those days, um, you, know, uh, you know, just outside the Bank of America, chanting his rounds. And uh, I asked him if I could live in the temple. He remembered me and said, yes. And so I went up to the temple and my godbrother, um, Lochan does. Lochan Prabhu, who makes all, who made the beautiful Prabhupada Mortis, he actually opened the door and let me in. So it was like they were really like like a like an older brother or sister to me. And uh, and it made it very easy because it was almost like you know old, like older brother and sister because they were also older than me in age. I mean, Pansu was probably eight or nine years older than me, and so. It's kind of like surrogate parents, and um, and uh, so we had a we had a really nice temple. He was a really good temple president, 
And uh, of course, later so many things happened. But during that time when I was in Berkeley, he was there for about, um, I joined in September. He'd opened, the, he'd opened the center in the summer. He, that was in September. And he left us after about, uh, I guess, before four months or so, which in those days seemed like forever, four or five months. And uh, and pro- because Prabhupada sent him to Germany to open up Germany and, and then Northern Europe. So anyway, uh, we all go through so many things in this life, but uh, I will always remember those early days. Uh, they were very happy days for me, and I'll always be grateful to Hansaduda and Dimavati for making my entry into ashram life and Krishna consciousness uh, such a happy experience. And uh, it was. It was just I only remember that time in my life as, as just being very happy and full of spiritual ecstasy. And, of course, they were a big part of that. So... Uh, so someone wrote with all this going on how do we help clear all the ignorance in others well we are responsible for our own spiritual life and again we are responsible to do our best to help others it's not my duty to make someone Krishna conscious it's my duty to try my best to help them to be Krishna conscious. So, you know, in our own heart, we know if we've tried our best. How do we continue with our service knowing we're taking the right decisions? Well, that's why devotee association is so good because even if I'm kind of uh, confused, it's unlikely that everyone else is confused. So, um, therefore, Krishna says in the Gita, Param, the devotees literally enlighten one another or they, they help each other to understand. Param. And um, so you, be careful how you choose your friends. I mean, we, we, want, to, we want to have friends who, as far as possible or, or associates who are good devotees and whose intelligence we can trust. I mean, there are examples. For example, there was a time when uh, there was some person who was obviously a very bad character who claimed that, you know, if devotees gave him their money, he would invest it, and they'd get 10% or more, which obviously doesn't happen in the real world. Um, not regularly. And so all these devotees, all these devotees, you know, preach to each other, encourage each other. I mean, the list is tragically long, including many very senior devotees who threw away their life savings or a big chunk of it, a big part of it. Elder devotees who had served Krishna their whole life and basically threw away the money they needed to retire peacefully and at least do some serve healthy service that would, you know, would not be, that would be healthy for their body in their old age. And so it, it was... For me, it was just like it was an unbelievable tragedy. And I found it, uh, I mean, most things I can understand if I think about it, how someone could believe something. But this one really, I think, defeated my powers of, uh, of you know, empathy. Not empathy, but understanding, because how someone could take a lot of money and give it to someone you don't know. But But the point I want to make here, is that the devotees who threw away their hard-earned money uh, were encouraging each other. 
you know, all kinds of devotees, many senior devotees, preaching to each other, you know, he's preaching for any kind of advice, encouraging each other, and they all just basically, you know, lost a fortune and, and really caused a lot of trouble for themselves. And so, therefore, I mention that because when, you know, when I say that you, we have to have good association, talk to devotees you trust, uh, be very careful and make sure you're getting advice from people who are not in the same illusion that you are in. Don't just ask people who are, uh, you know, I don't want to just talk to someone who's making the same, same mistake I am. Try to get different views, especially in the case of something which obviously, look, you know, walks and talks like Maya. Uh, is there a difference in what happens after death between someone who's initiated and someone who's not even, who is not, even though they were devoted? What is the purpose of initiation? Thank you. I'm a beginner. Well, I guess we all are in a sense, considering that devotional service is eternal. All right, Krishna. Um, it's a good, I, I've said before, initiation is important. I don't want to minimize it or say that it's not important, but ultimately, it's like that. Uh, it's like that Christmas song. Santa Claus knows when you've been naughty. He knows when you've been nice. As we know, some devotees are initiated, but their lives are kind of uh, unfortunate. Let's say, and some devotees, for whatever reason, have not been initiated, but they're very sincere. And so, I don't want to minimize. I don't want to say initiation is not important. It is important, but ultimately. What Krishna says in the Gita, chapter 8, is that you get what you deserve. And so if someone's initiated or not, however much a person has been sincere, devoted, if they tried their best, I explained in a previous class, sometimes there are reasons why some people aren't initiated, uh, because for various reasons, and it doesn't mean they're not sincere, and sometimes people don't take initiation precisely because they're not sincere, or they're not sincere enough. So it depends. I've, by Krishna's mercy, lived long enough in this world and seen enough in this world to know that there is no absolute rule in matters like this. It depends. Some people aren't initiated for bad reasons, and some people aren't initiated for good reasons. Some people are initiated, and they're really good devotees, and some people are initiated, and they are really bad devotees. And so I prefer just to sort of take it on a case-by-case -case basis. So more questions? A uh, couple of questions kind of later. Yeah, you can send all the, if you if, uh, send any other questions if you have them. See if we have time to get to them. Uh, on this new Facebook format, I kind of have to hunt its questions, but um, anyway, if the questions don't come in, I guess we'll have to answer them later. Let's see. Oh, here's something. Or not. Anyway, I don't want to waste your time, so if the questions don't come in right now, then maybe we'll just have to do them later. Okay, thank you all very much, and I uh, appreciate very much, actually, your time. Thank you for listening.
It's very encouraging to me that I can have this devotional service. So apparently the questions are done. So thank you all very much and Hare Krishna and stay well, everybody please stay well.